You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Hey, welcome to the Cheap Seats, everybody. We're into the middle of November, and I got to tell you guys, I've been confused all weekend because I keep thinking that Thanksgiving is this coming weekend, and I'm fired up because mm-hmm. you know how I love to eat. Mm-hmm. So... Are you a turkey or a ham guy, B? Turkey. Not even close. Ham. I thought you were going to throw me a curveball be like, chicken. <laughs> no, ham. Kaplan? Turkey, for sure. All right. Turkey. Turkey and mashed potatoes. <laughs> Don't start that. Don't reset the mashed potato debate, man. I can't. My head can't take it. Um, is there anybody out there in Radio Land that agrees with this statement? You should have potato salad, but not mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving. If you are, email us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. I'm just not buying it. I cannot have Thanksgiving without mashed potatoes and gravy. So my sister-in-law. Yes. We we set a menu. It was like the third meal for some people on Thanksgiving. So we, we condensed the menu a little bit. Of course, we included mashed potatoes. Well, of course you did. Of course, but you she did. said, "Well, wait a second. Where's the where's the potato salad?" I was hmm. like, "Wait, you, you, no, no. You don't need potatoes." See, salad. don't be a hater. I and I want to make sure that everybody understands. I'm okay if you have potato salad as an option. Yeah, but if I'm coming to your house, you better have mashed potatoes. And, and here's the right. deal. I'm, no, I'm with that. It's not appropriate to explain this joke, but if you only have potato salad and not mashed potatoes, what's Bernie Mac gonna do? <laughs> That's what's not Bernie Mac gonna do? You gotta save that stuff for the second hour, man. Uh, okay, we're on, we're on college radio it. here. If you can, you won't, you don't stop. Because <laughs> I can, you won't, you don't stop. Now I didn't tell you guys when I walked in. We're getting off to a late start here, in large part because I came in late. Of course. Brandon came in late too, and I was right. I had a good right. excuse. Yeah. So it was like I had a, little, a good excuse. It was like a little train of elephants coming up in here late, but I was ready to go. But he, I woke up completely disoriented. Not gonna lie, completely disoriented. Didn't know what day it was. Didn't yep. know what time it was. Was trying to figure out where I, what was going on. I'm yeah, not the, lying. I'm this really happened. Yeah, you be- woke up like the Broncos did yesterday. Oh man. Yeah. Already. Yeah. With the Bengals three and six, I can understand why you didn't even know I, where you were. Just as soon they go three and three, th- three and thirteen. But I'm not gonna lie, I did a little disoriented, and I kind of got the cobwebs out and got going. And then I thought about it, and that really happened. But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, of course it happened, because there are a lot of people feeling disoriented. Because we went into the weekend and, you know, the whole conversation was, well, how are we going to get two SEC teams into the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Well, we're not. Number one and number three are done. And I told you guys this stuff would work itself out. And I'm going to tell you, I am convinced that Nick Saban is colluding 
with the selection committee. He doesn't like positive press. And what better way to get that team fired up than to keep disrespecting them? So what happened this weekend, I think, is a byproduct of Georgia reading a little bit too much of their own press, getting Auburn all fired up because folks like us keep saying, well, the SEC is Georgia, Alabama, nobody else. And I'm going to tell you what, Auburn looked like as good a team as, as there is in the country this weekend. And Notre Dame. They just need to be able to hold like – like uh, Alabama, Alabama did against uh, Mississippi oh, State. To, we'll, we'll get to that. Holding all day long, never got called. Well, Alabama hung on against Mississippi State, and in the final drive, the statement was made, well, they just keep running that same sweep over and over again. Well, yeah, they do. <laughs> and as long as the holding's not going to be called on it, they're going to continue to run that sweep, and they're going to continue to pick up first downs. Some of the officiating that's going on well, is well, garbage. That was part of it. Did How many of you guys watched a significant portion of the Oklahoma TCU game? I know it was a blowout, so a lot of people tuned out. Nah, I, was, yeah. I bounced. Dude, they're still reviewing plays from that game. Everything that happened in that game was a booth review. And even the announcers were like, uh, not really sure what they're reviewing right now. Yeah. <laughs> It well, was, was unbelievable. Was we got to cut it out. What was funny on the Alabama game, I texted you like, man, Alabama's holding them. They're not calling. And you kind of went, oh, man, it's not that bad. Let me check this out. And you're like, dang, they are holding them. <laughs> Every play. That's okay. And if we fast forward to the NFL while we're bashing on officials. I was I was watching the uh, that Rams beatdown they, beat they administered this weekend. But I saw on one play – Andrew Whitworth be illegally downfield and then hold twice on the same play that resulted in a touchdown. And the only reason I was paying attention is because I needed Gurley to get some more points for me. But it was Sammy Watkins got the touchdown. And I'm still mad because had Whitworth not been ineligibly downfield, that wasn't flagged. A block in the back that wasn't called. And then a hold on the same play. And the announcers see it. And they start to say it, and they're like, now let's just go the other way with it. Andrew Whitworth just do, you know, doing his business, potential Hall of Famer, blah, blah. Dude, come on. Well, well that's the, the reason all that happened is because you didn't have John Fox challenging the play for you. Did you see this, Chris? No, sir. All right, so uh, I think it was Benny Cunningham broke a 35-yarder it gets tackled like at the one and does the dive. And now, yeah, now I do know what you're talking about. Hits the pylon. Uh, they don't call it a touchdown. John Fox wins the challenge, but in that process, <laughs> they realize that he does not have control of the ball touchback. Congratulations, now, John. Yeah, good job, John Fox. Um, Here's Let me ask you oh, something. Wow. We, we continue to play with the rules in football. Mm-hmm. You know, targeting, which makes me want to – bang my own head against something hard and give myself a concussion. I hate targeting. The The intent of the rule was very knee-jerk, and I get it. And, yes, maybe ultimately it will condition these players to think about it, but targeting and the the inequity in how it's being administered is just dumb. Well, can I offer a solution for it? Sure. Call, tar- call targeting and then have them review it for the next game. What's bad about it is if they call it 
it's, it can't be challenged, right? So that player's just gone for the rest of that game. It sucks. Well, here's the thing yeah. is that if they call it and they throw the flag and then they review it, they're going to decide whether that player gets ejected or not. But even if they determine it wasn't targeting, the penalty's still been called if they call it a personal right. foul. It's ludicrous. And the reviews, oh, my God, they're killing the game. Baseball kind of got it, and they said, well, we're going to do some things. And there was a lot of controversy with, you know, intentional walks and uh, coaches' visits to the mound, things that were intended to to uh, speed the game up. They've got the pitch clock now. You can't step out of the box. All these things. And football's like, how can we fit in three or more commercial breaks in this? <laughs> mm-hmm. The reviews are out of control. But what I was getting to when we're talking about rules that need to get changed, is there any dumber rule in football than fumbling a ball through the end zone and it not only – think about this. If I'm anywhere else on the field and I'm carrying the football and I fumble it and it goes out of bounds, what happens? You bring the ball back to the spot of the fumble, we retain possession, everything goes on. But if I do it within, you know, I shot of the end zone and it goes through the end zone, not only do we lose possession, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It's punishing the offense. I think it's a little bit too extreme. Does anybody agree with me or am I just I, I being the, the curmudgeon? No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, no, the other team never obtained possession of the ball, so how do they get the ball? Yeah, it's a dumb I, I don't understand that. I'm a little surprised you're that worked up because Bengals never get it that close to the goal line to begin well, with. Well, uh, it happened against the Bengals this weekend, oh, and it? the Titans were marching and dominating the game. <clears throat> And Corey Davis, the rookie who who's finally debuted, um, was running, scored his first touchdown, and after review, they realized that about a half yard from the goal line, he fumbled the ball, and it went into the end zone, and DeMarco Murray caught it while he was standing out of bounds. Well, since he was out of bounds, the ball was out of bounds, and the Titans turned it over, and the Bengals were going the other way. And that's where I thought about it, because you see it, it's not something you see all the time, but in a weekend of football, you're going to see it once or twice. It's oh, a yeah. dumb rule. Can I throw a, a, one more dumb rule onto the pile of sure. these dumb rules? The leaping rule. The leaping call on kicks where they jump over the line. Come on, man. I understand you're worried about them landing on another player and maybe there was a couple of injuries, but isn't this still football? If somebody can clear an entire offensive line on a kick – to block it, shouldn't they be able to continue on with that play? What's more exciting than seeing somebody hurdle the <laughs> line and block a kick? Right. And well, of all the bad things that can happen to you on a football field, I think that being landed on by somebody <laughs> trying to jump over you is way down the list. So I'm with you, and I'm glad. And I told you I was disoriented this morning. That was on my list, too. Come on. That leaping call is dumb. You're on that line, and you're like, come on, ref, call that leaping call. (laughs) He was leaping. But can't you leap over the line in any other scenario? I mean, you see these highlights from the past where the linebacker leaped over the line and landed on the quarterback. Well, you, know, then you also see these highlights from the past where Deacon Jones clotheslines a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, so, but, but no, no, no. I mean, if it's not a kicking play, I think you can leap over the line. You just cannot leap over the line in an attempt to block a kick. Yes. And the justification, I think, with the 
with the leaping has to do more with the center than it does anything else. Because you know you can't engage yeah. the center directly. And that's probably a good safety rule. Because I can remember even back to Pee Wee football where they'd put two guys on the center <laughs> and blow you know, it up. Yeah. Blow him up as soon as he snaps the ball. He can't he can't get there. And you but know the, the leaping part of it, you can leap as long as you don't contact anybody. Yeah, you can't use somebody as leverage. It's like you're trying to take all the fun stuff that I grew up with in the sport. Remember the wedge and the wedge busters? I mean, on the special teams plays? Why take that away, man? I mean, it's a barbaric sport. We get it. People are going to get hurt. But here pretty now, I I mean, Russell Wilson, after they didn't follow the right, you know, protocol on the concussion protocol thing, they're going to start sticking red flags in people's side pockets here pretty soon, man. It's going to be flag football. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. This is in the foreseeable future. Is At some point, there will be sensors in a helmet. And if there is a certain amount of impact or force that's, that's sensed, that will be a red flag. Because this whole concussion thing and the concussion review process right now is very arbitrary in the first place. Yeah. And back to the Bengals-Titans game this weekend, inside a minute, Titans are in the red zone. Mariota takes off. Carlos Dunlap wraps him up. And when he does, Mariota comes down and bangs his head on the turf and was very, very clearly woozy. Woozy. Yeah. They, they Titans were call a quick his- timeout. They bring him over to the sideline. He doesn't even look up during the whole thing. He's trying to get his wits about him. Do you think he went under the tent? Inside a minute, trying to score the winning touchdown? Heck they, no, they he claimed didn't. he stung his off shoulder. Oh, sure he did. Yeah. Sure he that's, did. That's it was his head was that his banged off the turf. Shoulder. And, and it may have been. I mean, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not yeah. there. But I didn't see anybody reviewing him for a concussion. Well, and that's funny. They use words like contusion. That, you know, us country folk don't even understand what that is. You know, your brain got blue. Your brain got bruised. (laughs) That's simple as that. I mean, it's as simple as that. And we've talked about this before, and I would never want to make light of a concussion because a concussion is a serious deal. And some people have these lingering effects. Is there anybody at this table hadn't had multiple concussions? (laughs) No, I've had plenty. You come across. (laughs) No, listen. Dead serious. Me too. We'll have to touch back on that on the other side. We will. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. We'll see you on the other side. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan are here with me. Well, I don't know what we're talking about this morning. We're just kind of, it's a kind of a smorgasbord, but you're listening on WDCC, WBLZ, or via the podcast. We don't care which. Well, you know, just listen. Yeah, just listen to us. And we were talking off, we were sharing war stories about injuries and, and 
concussions that we think we're pretty sure we got. <laughs> well, there was but, no diagnosis know, for it back in the day. It was, you know, you got your bell rung. Well, and yeah. CTE, I guess, whatever they want to call it next year, too. I mean, it's a real thing, but it's odd to me that it's stuck to football, particularly the NFL. You don't even really hear about it that much in college, if you think about it. It's an NFL topic. And I read a study probably a, couple, a year or so ago that girls, percentage-wise, girls, girls soccer players average more concussions you know, per percentage-wise, you know, because you don't have as many people playing in the NFL than in actual NFL players, but it sticks to the NFL as if it's solely an NFL issue. I'm going to have to question the validity of everything you just said because you started it with the statement, I read a study. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, I'm no, watch girl soccer players, you're absolutely right. That is one of those things. Um it's, and, it's and to the point where they don't even let a certain age group have the ball anymore. It's illegal. Well, Which yeah, is, but they have that billion-dollar lawsuit against the NFL, so of course it's going to be more relevant. No well, other – hockey doesn't have that lawsuit. Well, and I can tell you that that moms and dads keeping their kids from playing football is a real thing. Yeah. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how it it impacts the quality of athletes that are in it and how it dilutes the pool. I don't know. Here, I, I kind of halfway believe this, and and I'm I'm on the radio, yeah. so I can only say what I can say. Look, it's like the internet. If you read it on the internet, it's true, right? No, so if you no, say no, no, it on no. the radio, it's true. Well, what I'm saying is, it's become chic to talk about the head injuries and to condemn yeah. entities that have anything to do with head injuries. If you're talking about trying to keep a young man, whether it be a, a 15-year-old kid or a 25-year-old man, from going back into a game because they're a little woozy, good luck. We're going to get to a point where there's a sprained pinky protocol. Like you get an owie and you have to run to the sideline and get it checked out by the team doctor. I love it. Well, I mean, the damage is being done to fingers, man. That's the, that's the NBA. They're going to get their days off because they have a sprained pinky nail. Dude, it happens. But back to your point, I can remember the University of Texas back about 25 years ago. One of the something I was paying attention to that resonated with me. Willie Matt Garza, who is a, a cornerback for the University of Texas, got beat for a touchdown pass near the end of the ball game. And in the post game interview, he was asked. You know, what happened on that play? And I remember his response distinctly. And this might actually be from about 30 years ago. His response was, no, I don't really know what happened. I got my bell rung three or four plays before that, and I don't really know. <laughs> wow. And that's what used to happen with concussions. Yeah. You got your bell rung, a little bit of smelling salts, get back out there, champ. I got a concussion, probably the worst one, the one that resonates with me the most, was when I was in ninth grade playing football. Mm-hmm. And – I never told anybody. I never talked to anybody about it. How'd you get one on the bench, though? See, there you go. Um, well, what's fu- let, let me tell you what's funny about that. What's funny about that is of all the you know times getting hit, hitting people, and all the rest of that. On this particular play, I was we were practicing kickoff coverage, and it was a joke amongst us as we did this. And the badge of honor was to be able to hit somebody hard enough to knock their helmet off. Mm, nice. Good sportsmanship. And, I mean, 
it was in it was our own team. It was in practice, and we were kids, and that's you know that was your thing. If you you, you know you like gave yourself a sticker if you were able to knock somebody's helmet off when you tackled them. So and not hitting them in the head. I'm talking about hitting them with enough force yeah. to knock the helmet off. So how's uh, your coach Genghis Khan doing these days? <laughs> Wait a minute. Coach didn't know what we were doing. He didn't care. He's like, ah, go hit him harder. You know, that's it, it's a violent game. Gotcha. So on this particular play, I had a guy lined up that was coming up, and we were talking about wedge busters before the show started. This was sort of a wedge busting type situation, and I had him lined up, and I was feel I was going to crush this dude, and he saw me at the last minute, and I was full on committing, and I hit him. But I knew I'd blown an opportunity to really wipe him out. Mm-hmm. And this is what happened next. I was laying there on the on the turf, and I started to get up, and I banged my head into the into the ground, not think in frustration, but banged it like <laughs> as hard as I could. And, you and not, my, you I swear to you, my ears rang for two weeks. Wow. So, and that was part of why I didn't tell anybody because I, you know, I'd have had to tell them, oh my God, I think I hurt myself because I banged my head <laughs> on the ground. But it happened. I swear that's exactly what happened. And my ears rang for two weeks. And I, at, at some point during that, just accepted the fact, I guess they're going to ring the rest of my life. Hmm. I, it wasn't a big deal. But it really happened. But we didn't even know the the word concussion. Yeah. So you you looked in the mirror and you looked at yourself and you said, "Hey, pal, no more banging your head into the ground." Okay. <laughs> yes. All Good right. Advice, Good for you. Good for you, bro. You should have told that quarterback that headbutted the the goalpost. And Gus was out for like did it. Four he was weeks. in the NFL. Yeah. He did. Remember that? Yeah. 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 Gus Frott headbutted the wall, and it's too late now. But you get you should change that story a little bit to like you saved a touchdown or something. <laughs> I mean, I've had plenty of head injuries. I got I got concussed one time when I got knocked out. You know, yeah. But I'm going back to when I was a teenager. We had no awareness. We didn't know what that was, and it wasn't any big deal. Think about bike helmets. How many, dude? I rode a bike my entire childhood. I had a helmet on my head exactly zero percent of the time, yeah. and I think everything's fine. Well, <laughs> last year, look at you now. Last year's <laughs> well, but here's 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 my question though: Is our children have grown up? And this is an honest question. I'm not trying to be funny. This is an honest question. Our kids have grown up where we're aware of head injuries. We strap a helmet onto them with everything they do. My question is to you, Professor Trent Nichols, could it be possible that not having had minor head injuries as a child could now be contributing to when they do have a head injury a little bit later in life, it being more severe? And I ask that. Because we're seeing concussions in in strange places. I had never before this year known of a baseball player to miss time because of a concussion. And a baseball player can't fake it. If they have a head injury and they've got equilibrium issues or focus issues or vision or whatever the case might be, they're probably not going to be able to hit a baseball. But now, in a couple of instances, we've had players that have been hit in the head either by a struck ball or a pitched ball that have missed significant time because they're in concussion protocol. Al Horford missed games last week because he's in concussion protocol. 
When has there ever been a basketball player that missed time? Well, he got his bell rung. I'm, I'm asking the question seriously. I want to know what you guys think about that. So well, your, your theory is that we have, like, calloused our brains growing up and getting dinked and doinked here and there yeah. to where now we get a major hit, we're good. But but somebody who never not, had that uh, – I'm not stating that that's the case. I'm asking if it could be possible. I, think, I, I don't no. know the answer to that. Well, no, I – I think it's a very valid point. I mean, I think it's the same thing where, okay, we've heightened our awareness, so we're a little bit more, we can see what a concussion actually is. But, you know, if you play the guitar a lot, you end up with calluses on your fingers, so you, you don't hurt yourself playing the strings yeah, your or fingers whatever. don't bleed, yeah. The same thing. I think we over-sanitize. If we, you know... When my daughters were born, they're like, oh, don't lay them on the carpet. Well, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, they can't get germs. Well, you can't build up your immune system without getting some of that stuff so they learn how to fight it. So you make a a very valid point. I think it's more about awareness and the studies that we found that these people that we didn't know had these mental health issues afterwards are coming on. That's why we're so focused on it. But... Could very well be is we're it, building up a little bit more. Maybe I can handle getting hit in the head a little bit more than what my daughter could. Well, but, and, and you say that. My daughter, we were talking about girls' soccer. Mm-hmm. My youngest daughter suffered a concussion last year, and it gave me pause because she was, like, out for two weeks mm-hmm. and couldn't go to school. I, I mean, and it was a thing. And she's a tough kid. And I thought back and I was like, man, you know, I can remember functioning and whatever the case yeah, might be. And maybe it is that there's a different sensitivity with different people. I, I think know. at parents, we there's that age-old thing, oh, it's a boy, oh, whatever, he yeah. can hurt himself. And then girls, you're all like, ah, don't climb that, blah, blah, blah. So we should treat our kids like the um, Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme where he kicks the bamboo tree over and over again until like his leg is kind of impervious to any kind of injury. And some of those karate guys put their fists in glass and stuff. And That's exactly what we should do. I, all I treat them either like Tom Hanks in League of Their Own, there is no crying in baseball, or I treat him like Ivan Drago. If he does, he does. Well, if you think the, if you think the discussion... <laughs> They're laying there crying. If they you, die, they die. If you think the discussion is bad now, let Luke Keekley get one more concussion. Like he's becoming the poster boy... For that in the NFL. Two years ago, he left the field crying, which you knew he got his bell rung then. But let him get one more. Let somebody who's on the front of video games get one more, and then we're really screwed. Four or five years ago, the best player in hockey right now, Sidney Crosby, was literally one concussion away from having to retire. Yep. He missed a whole season because of how many concussions he had. I mean, it's not – there are quarterbacks out there who have – basically been forced into retirement. Look at Steve Young. He still ain't right. <laughs> Look, Steve, <laughs> let me tell you something. If you don't if you don't think he's right, Steve Young, we joke all the time about people that have won at life. Let me tell you something. Steve Young has won. He just doesn't it's, know about it. <laughs> dude, I, Steve doesn't care. If you if you think I'm lying, go Google and see what Steve Young's into these days and how he Dude, you realize his prom date in high school was Miss America. Oh, okay. This dude, it go go read up on Steve Young. Steve Young now has got enough money to buy an NFL team. 
He's doing his thing. Okay. Um, and he just kind of hangs out and does the, you know, color and analysis. But, yeah, well, Steve Young is, is, like, legit. He's, you know, he's like a direct res- descendant of Brigham Young. Yeah. So he's. Well, Michael Irving retired, too, because of Michael Irving, because of concussions, or Michael was it Troy Irvin, Aiken? Whatever. And that was his neck. <laughs> That oh, was okay. he had to have vertebrae. I thought that was because he had drugs in the back of his trunk. Well, he probably <laughs> maybe, did. Maybe. He, he well, he most certainly did have drugs in his Allegedly. trunk, but that's not why he retired. Join us for the second half hour right after the break. Your listener from the cheap seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Kristen Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, Diamond Dave Kaplan, and DJ Schlepprock. Tim Copas. DJ Schlepprock. When you you roll us back out there and you're like, say roll because we can't hear you, you do this little finger twirl. If you're going to be rocking a leather jacket like that, you need to work on that delivery a little bit. You can't. He's going to be pumping it up. Give us the whole arm. Give us the whole Arsenio Hall. Yeah. Now, now I'm ready. I got a question go. for you. I heard about this jacket a few weeks ago. Has he taken it off? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's still got it on. I think he goes to bed with it on. It'd be, I would. <laughs> right. Why not? So, speaking of DJ Schlepprock, the uh, iPhone X is coming out. And I saw a meme the other day. And, and just so that y'all know, DJ Schlepprock is Mr. Verizon. Mm-hmm. He's the bride. Oh, yeah. Now we got He's the Arsenio up. Hall. He's yeah. woofing He's in the uh, engineering now. room. So the iPhone 10 is out. And I saw one of the best memes of all time. And it has iPhone 10, $999. Adult Llama, $950. Dude, if I'm given an option between the two, I'm buying a llama. <laughs> <laughs> Can you I mean, pay $25 a month, though, on that llama? Dude, Probably. Who knows? I, every time I call to get a, a new phone, you know, they've got this whole lease program now. So you don't even yeah. buy your phones in, with most of these carriers. I have no idea what I'm paying for or yeah. even how much I'm paying. It just it's happens. Back. I, my grandmother, um, to about 10 years ago, had this rotary phone. God rest her soul. And she was paying like five bucks a month on it for like 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> They're going back to that same trick. I had the exact same conversation with somebody who was like, I don't know how much they paid for that phone, but that was how it was. The phone company gave you a phone with your with your service, and you just paid for it huh. monthly. And well, it was and an additional charge. 
and it was like five bucks a month. Well, and no forever. Of, no offense, yeah. but when you're dealing with these phone leases and you sign the, all this paperwork and you walk out of that building, don't you feel like you just turned your soul over? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't sign anything. I prick my thumb, <laughs> and, and blood goes onto the contract, and it just happens. And you know what? Every once in a while, the bill will hit, and something happens, and I'm like, really? And then three days later, I'm like, I whatever, I don't know. Well, I'm going yeah. str- back to straight unlimited data because apparently NASA has been using some of my data. I mean, <laughs> I had to take a second mortgage on my house just to pay for it. But yeah, I was talking to Chris about maybe getting a new phone, and while I was in there, he made me stand in this circle with candles around it, <laughs> and like he like wiped blood on my forehead. And Look, now what? you only have one kid. I don't and know him, what happened. What what happened to the iPhone 9? Yeah, and 8. That, I, and 8. Well, the 8 came out. Did they the just decided we're going straight from 8 to X. Well, but the 8 must have just came out. I the mean, 8 did just come out. Uh, and, yeah. And somebody, Apple got somebody people has that paid for the 8 9. and now are going to pay for the 10. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> Look, fist pump. <laughs> we got more fist pumps back from the Verizon man. But it's a real thing. So... So Seth Hoyle from CCCC, mm-hmm. our number one fan, yep. came in studio. Kaplan, you weren't available. Yeah. So happened? Seth was here, and he sat here, and he didn't say much. He's a little taller than David. He is a lot taller than David and most normal-sized people. But he sat here, and I think he was empowered by his time in studio because he turned prognosticator over the weekend. And I do get random texts from Seth all the time and when he's listening to the show or when he's watching a game or whatever and he wants my feedback. Very rarely does he go out on a limb. But I'm gonna I'm gonna read to you his first crack at prognostication that he texted to me. And he said I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he must have had girl. TCU problems. is taking Oklahoma. <laughs> this is what happened. TCU is taking Oklahoma. Okay. And Notre Dame by three. Oh. All right. Okay. So, Seth, I know you're listening. ESPN is not calling you. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime soon, bro. Who's the guy they have on the Saturday morning on the uh, game day show? Was it the Bear? So, was that what they call him? That oh. knucklehead gambler guy that sits around looking at his board. Anyway, TCU, I texted him back. If TCU's got a shot, Kenny Hill's going to have to play the game of his life. He did not. Baker Mayfield has won the Heisman Trophy. It's over. You can cancel everything else. It doesn't matter. He can even stub his toe again. Baker Mayfield's won it because Saquon Barkley, Penn State dropped a second game to uh, Michigan State last week. This week he comes back in in a win, has 35 yards rushing. Saquon Barkley, this dream is over. JT Barrett with his display against Iowa, it's over. Josh Rosen with UCLA. It's, it's over. It's been over. It's been yeah. over. So am I forgetting anybody, or is this Baker Mayfield's, and we could just go ahead and anoint him? Just yeah. go ahead and send it to him now. It's over. Yeah. I think Josh Adams is Josh. A- well, and you you hit it, because Josh Adams was a guy that sort of came out of nowhere, right. and after Notre Dame absolutely could not move the ball against Miami, Josh Adams is out. So Baker Mayfield, nobody likes you. Congratulations. But you're going to win the Heisman <laughs> Trophy, and you'll be in an analysis Head set of headphones and microphone in three years because you're not going to play in the NFL. Okay, Chris, is it time to go ahead and proclaim the ACC 
the best football conference in the country. Well, this week maybe. <laughs> um, the whole notion that the SEC was going to put two teams in the playoff was probably never going to happen. And everybody talking about, you know, Alabama hasn't played anybody. Alabama's, you know, number two. Look, Georgia, you got dealt with. And we've talked about coaches before and what different coaches do well. Kirby Smart is a football genius. He's a savant when it comes to game planning. When that game started to get away from Georgia, he was never going to be able to rally that team. And they did not know how to deal with adversity. And we were talking about, you know, Auburn's jumped up to six in this week's rankings. Mm -hmm. Auburn's, I still don't, I'm not an Auburn, I'm not buying Auburn. But Auburn, that game started back and forth, and every break that could have possibly gone Auburn's way did. And once that momentum got going with the home crowd, Georgia was done. Yeah, I, I go back to leaping over the the for the try to block the kick. Leaping. I changed the momentum of the game. It did. It did on the punt. It was the the attempted punt block where he. Right. I, I he wasn't even trying to jump over anybody. It didn't seem like to me. It was wild. It was a crazy call. And then they had the uh, punt return fumble. But one thing led to another. All the momentum ended up Auburn's way, and Georgia couldn't deal with adversity. And Kirby Smart was melting down mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. sidelines. Georgia, they've still got a shot because if they win the SEC, they're going to be in. Now, I do have to comment, and this is our weekly bash the four-letter network. In the wake of that Georgia defeat to Auburn, the bachelor – made this statement. Well, if Auburn wins out and beats Alabama and then beats Georgia again in the SEC championship game, they could really be in the playoff conversation. No, duh. Really? Yeah. Thanks for that, Jesse. If they beat the New England Patriots, <laughs> they might just sneak into the playoff. This this. A stupid analysis. system that we have analysis, that's right. is so overwrought and overthought by these guys. Let me tell you something. It does not matter what happens at this point. The SEC champ is going to the playoffs, period. Yeah. Notre Dame, with their beatdown they took from Miami, is out. The Pac-12, with Washington dropping a Thursday night game, is Done. out. They're, they're as out as the Big East is out. <laughs> <laughs> the Big East. So, at this point, I'm going to tell you, it's as simple as this. The ACC champ, the Big Ten champ, the Big 12 champ, and the SEC champ are going to play for the national championship. Unless, Oklahoma, unless Oklahoma loses in the championship game, right? This is the to, Big To unless, Wisconsin? No, oh, no, no, that's the big, right. That's Ohio State. So yes. Oklahoma is the only chance if they – because they're not losing – they're not losing another game the regular season. But in the, the Big 12 championship game, if they, if they drop that game, that's the only chance that whether it be the SEC or ACC or whoever, Big 10 – that's the only chance that there will be two teams no. joining. Well, there's, there's not. So you because think, what's going to so happen? So you think the Big 12, if it's not Oklahoma, that the Big 12 champion is going to sneak into the top I four? I think that if the Big 12 champion is somebody other than Oklahoma and is a two-loss team, I think that opens the door 
cracks the door just the slightest little bit for the Pac-12 champ to get in. You do not have a team out there right now that can make a case to get in if they lose their conference championship. I don't think there's anybody that dominant. What about a close- Alabama is the best team in the country, period, bar well, none. Well, I-, I tell you what, though. I would not be surprised if Auburn beats them. I wouldn't either. Because they're not I, – I agree with you. They're the best team in the country. But I don't think they're as good as I thought they were. I don't I – don't, I don't, Well, I'll tell you. They're not as good as I thought they were. But if the referees aren't going to call holding <laughs> – That's going to hurt. And Stephen Ridley's not going to be covered, then they'll beat anybody. Because Mississippi State – hey, guess what? Ridley's the best player on the offense for that Alabama team. You should probably cover him. At least know where he's at on the field. But, no, I go back, and Alabama may not be as good as I thought they were. They're still the best team no, in the country. I agree with that. But as, that, as far as I'm concerned. Now, the problem is, is they don't have the resume because they haven't played anybody up to this yeah. point. Well, they may so, if Auburn, they stub their the toe, yeah. if they stub their toe – I don't think you can just. Well, I know you can't justify putting you, them in. Do you love how both teams, Auburn and Alabama, schedule the quote unquote bye week where they're playing like Louisiana Monroe and 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 Alabama's playing Mercer or hey, whatever Trent, it is? Who's Clemson Before, got the rest of the way? Go ahead, finish your thought. I think Cap. Let him handle no, that. I think you it's know, Citadel. I think. Yeah, in South Carolina. Maybe. They're not the only yeah. team that does that. Oh, I know. But that, do you love how they do that? Though? Yeah. They, they set it up so they can. Well, Saban's see, been doing it since he got there. Yeah. And I they, mean, it's kind of smart. They schedule a bunny. That's a big game. I mean, that's, and you can't bash Alabama for doing that because they open the season. Well, with and Florida Auburn State. did it too. Auburn does it too. Clemson has Citadel. South Carolina and then Miami yep. in the championship. So before game. their rivalry game with South Carolina, which this year shouldn't be much of a contest. Well, it's Clemson's going for in-state recruiting against Citadel. There, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Miami's got Virginia, <laughs> Pittsburgh, and Clemson. Yeah, I mean, oh. I think there's a chance that. Let, let's ask this hold question. On, hold on, hold Go on. Ahead. Let me get this out. If Alabama uh, beats Mercer, right? They're number one. <laughs> Yeah, if that should happen, <laughs> if it should happen, if Miami wins their next game, who'd you say it was against? Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, I can see them swapping. I can see Miami getting ahead of Alabama. I can too, and it doesn't mean a thing. No, I really don't mean. It, I mean the one, two, three, four doesn't mean a thing. I think and, it means it something could. to Alabama if they lose in the I championship mean, game. Here's the bottom line: if Miami wins out and wins the ACC, they're the number one team in the country by a long shot. And you're going to accuse me of a homer, but I was making the same argument with the SEC, and these things just have its way of working itself out. But if Clemson and Miami go and don't lose any more games, meet in the national championship, and Clemson barely beats Miami. In the conference championship. Conference championship. championship, Clemson barely beats Miami. You think Miami's got zero shot of staying there. I think they have as much chance as Georgia had if they lost the SEC championship, which is near zero. Now – it's cons- Miami does have to play two more games yeah. uh, with Virginia and Pitt. And I could see him losing one of them. I know, I can see, I know it's hard to – I can't they get see to Pitt unscathed, I can't see him. But Virginia could be a trap game. Look right. at Ohio State. Ohio State came out of that Penn State game off that emotional high. They didn't show up at right. Iowa, and Iowa right. put it on exactly. them. exactly. Virginia's a good ball club. I agree with that. Look, Carolina. Yeah, Virginia's a better ball club than Pitt. I mean, Carolina oh, just by, beat Pitt. By That's far. what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. 
Virginia's a good ball club, and if Miami doesn't show up, now that offense that Miami showed against Notre Dame is not the Miami offense we saw this year, no. and they could very easily regress, and that becomes an ugly ball game. Virginia's got a puncher's chance. And, and I love that. I, I don't Mark expect Rick that's going to happen. Mark some wrinkles in that game with uh, Rogier getting out and, and running that draw a little bit, and that really put Notre Dame's defense back on their heels a little bit. Well, we'll finish that thought and more. You're listening on WDCC and WBLZ. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back. If you're listening to us on WDCC, you've got exactly 15 minutes left before we're out of here. You can follow us over to the web. Find us in the iTunes store from the Cheap Seats. We want to hear from you, so email us at CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. If we use your comments on the air, we'll send you a T-shirt. How's that? You guys down with that? Yeah, Trent. T-shirts. T-shirts for everybody. The Professor Trent Nichols reads your emails on the air. Yes. And he gets to choose the voice in which he does this. Yes. Based on the strength of your email. Yes. Because if you come like weak, you might sound like Mickey Mouse on the air. I'm just saying. Or you could sound like Johnny Cash. Give us a give us a sample, Trent. Well, I went down to TCU. I had no defense, but I still beat you. And Alabama burns, burns, burns. The SEC. The SEC. What was that? It was freestyling in the style of Johnny Cash. That was kind of amazing. Give me some love. Boom. That was really amazing. Yeah. I thought Cash was in the studio. (laughs) So we're going to go around the table real quick. Don't belabor this, but I'm going to give Brandon first crack at it. What does your final, final four look like? And all of this, all of these talking heads trying to keep people tuned in. Well, as of now, we're not talking about what could happen, but as of now, these are the best four. Ah, Shut up. What four teams potentially are going to be in the national championship playoff? Brandon Atkins, go. Do you want me to make this fun? No. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to make it fun because I'm going to we'll say be the judge Alabama is going to be in. 
Wisconsin, no, I'll just do the boring part. Alabama is going to be in. Clemson's going to be in. Oklahoma's going to be in. And Wisconsin's going to be in. Boring. Cap. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to say Miami beats Clemson. So I'm going to go with Miami, Alabama, Oklahoma, Wisconsin. Okay. Professor. I'm going with Georgia. Wow. Okay. Miami, Oklahoma, and. Wisconsin. Okay. I'm going to tell you guys what's going to happen, and you can all out in radio land and in this studio say that you heard it here first. I'm going to agree with you. I think Georgia bounces back and wins the SEC and gets in. Hmm. I also think that Miami beats Clemson because Malik Rozier is a better quarterback than Kelly Bryant. Oklahoma, they've already stubbed their toe once. They're going to run the table in the Big 12. And... What's going to cause everybody in America to pee their pants? Ohio State's going to get in. They're coming back in. They're going to blow Michigan out. They're going to blow Michigan out, and they're going to blow Wisconsin out, and they're going to roll in. And because they come out of that conference, it's going to be enough. Hmm. I think the Pac-12, they're not done beating each other up yet. No. I don't even know that you're going to have anybody. Washington beat Stanford. Or Stanford beat Washington this week. They're done. It's over. The Pac-12's got nothing. So, you got to have a fourth team, and I think Ohio State's going to creep in through the back door. I don't think Wisconsin can beat them. You hear to hear first. I think the biggest controversy would be if Notre Dame snuck in and stole that fourth spot. No, no, no. Not as a non-conference team with two losses. And, And if you look at it at this point, you take those two losses off the resume, they didn't play anybody. So just so you know, well, nobody that has lost this late in the season, this week or beyond, has ever made the playoff. So if somebody loses wait a big minute. time We this were week, saying last week that two SEC teams were going to play in the playoffs, and that meant that one of them was going to lose in yeah. the last week of the season. But nobody that is nobody has lost this late in the season has ever made the playoffs out of the 12 teams that have made it. The professor dropping knowledge. Notre Dame did beat USC, but I always thought they played USC late in the year, and now they're playing Stanford. They used to. They yeah, used they're playing to. Stanford late. Yeah, they used to play them late. That's – is they that their only not out probably of USC. Uh, well, I mean, they beat the Tar Heels. <laughs> they beat Michigan State. Well, you can, you can clown the Tar Heels, and I know it's well, self-deprecating humor. And right. you even do have a little Carolina blue in your shirt this morning. Yeah. It's a nice, How do you like that? It's Always. a nice little ensemble you, you got see going me there. in mine? <laughs> At least UNC didn't lose to Army this weekend. Yeah, that's true. Now Army working on an eight and two season. They're the second best independent behind Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess same record, but I would say Notre Dame probably has a little stronger record. I mean schedule. Well, Notre Dame didn't beat Duke. It's true. They beat Carolina. And with that, everything just came to an abrupt halt. I do want to go back. Back! <laughs> Duke football will do that to the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe Duke just didn't flop enough on the football field. Well, here's the, here's the we talk about Coach Cutcliffe all the time. David Cutcliffe is there at Duke. He's the perfect guy to be at Duke because he's a good football coach. He's a good recruiter. Runs a good program there. It's clean. And something like this happens, and nobody in Durham is screaming bloody murder and really cares. Nobody's week was ruined because Coach Duke Cook, lost right? to Army. They did beat the, the Notre Dame beat the Wolfpack. That was a pretty quality. That's win. a quality win. I had. How did we forget? That was like right, three was just weeks, a couple ago. weeks ago. Um, 
That's why David Cutcliffe. People ask, well, how come you know Cutcliffe's going to end up at a bigger program? No, that, he's going to stay right where he's at. That because job is. He's going to get paid. It's one of the yeah. best facilities in the country. Win five he's, or six games, everybody's pretty go. happy. Yeah, and if you go on a tear and win nine or ten, you know the whole the whole You're state God. winds up behind you. So that's it. It's we his were job talking. Forever. We were bashing officials earlier, and we were talking about things that needed to be changed and things that needed to be taken out of the game. Here's what happened. I was watching football this weekend, NFL football, and there was a lot of hoopla in the offseason because the celebration rules have been lifted. So I was watching NFL football this week, and I like my mind took me to someplace else, and all of a sudden I thought I was watching any given Sunday. The celebrations are out of control. And the world hasn't ended, and it just made me wonder, why did it take the NFL all this time to figure to it recognize out. we love this? A few weeks ago, Zay Jones used the force on this dude. <laughs> used what, the force. What about the Steelers this week? They trolled the Bengals in what Ooh. might be the all-time ah. best NFL celebration of all time. If you didn't see it, Trent, break it down. So – they scored a touchdown, and they decided that one was A.J. Green and the other was the uh, – Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, and they reenacted the fight. And did a heck of a job. It was like it was choreographed. I want to know how many times they, they practiced that because there are still shots of it where it's exactly the same as A.J. Green <laughs> with Jalen Ramsey in the chokehold and Juju uh, Smith-Juster and Le'Veon Bell. Bravo. Bravo. Wow. Bravo. Pittsburgh, listen up. I Yeah, I got to give love. It was awesome. I also saw, uh, was it the Vikings playing leapfrog? Yeah. Going, I've seen a team play Duck, Duck, Goose. Didn't, it's pretty didn't, amazing. Didn't Stefan Diggs reenact, was it the Antonio Brown jumping on the pylon? Like, I think he did the exact same Antonio Brown where he jumped. Either on the, the goalpost and yeah. he like humps the goalpost? That's disturbing, and I don't know why Antonio Brown ever did that, and I don't know why Antonio Diggs would recreate that. Because your junk doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> you going at a very high speed into like a goalpost with your junk, that's just not a good thing. A good idea. That's almost like banging your head on the dirt after a football play. Here we go. And then the heartwarming moment oh. was the Marquise uh, – Goodwin touchdown, dude. I I don't even know. I don't even know how he was able to play, but you know, God bless him and his family. And my thoughts are with him. But that thoughts was a great prayers. moment. That yeah. is that was a great moment, and that family is going through a lot right now. For those of you that don't know, Marquise Goodwin, um, he had a child delivered prematurely mm-hmm. earlier in the day. The baby didn't make it, mm-hmm. and he elected to play in the game that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I can't even imagine where that kind of metal comes from, but all our thoughts out to the family. Um, now, on that play, Janoris Jackson, who likes to be called Jack Rabbit, elected not to cover him and then made a half-hearted attempt to make the tackle on the play. And I was watching this game closely. Uh, of the afternoon games, I thought, this is going to be interesting to watch a 1-7 Giants team and an 0-8 San Francisco 49er teams. Or I have that wrong. One and eight, no and nine. I don't know. One win between the two garbage teams. I wanted to see which one of them stunk the least. Yeah. 
They both stink. Uh, but the Giants have stopped trying. And I have never seen – I told Brandon this in the midst of it because he didn't watch any of that game. He was running back and forth and was fixated on other games. I've never seen an NFL defense quit at the level the Giants did this week. Two weeks in a row. At this, I, You watch players that are diving out of the way of contact in the run game to feign attempting to make I mean, a tackle. It's over in New York. Even and, even Ben McAdoo's mustache is trying to leave New York. <laughs> He's trying to pry himself off his face. Well, we've been talking wow. about Ben McAdoo. He's been on death watch for about four weeks now. There's no chance he gets through this week. No chance. Zero chance. In fact, I'm willing to bet he's fired before the end of this show. We'll keep you posted. You're listening to Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and even Diamond Dave Kaplan on From the Cheap Seats. Reach out to us from the, excuse me, cheapseatradio at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. We love you guys. If you're listening on WDCC by any other platform, we got another hour left. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome to the second hour from the Cheap Seats. I am Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent, and Diamond Dave hanging out. And we're talking during the break. I'm going to make a pronouncement. I already said Ohio State's getting into the playoff through the back door. I'm going to tell you what, Kyrie Irving's going to be the MVP of the NBA this year. What the Celtics are doing is beyond what anybody expected, and they've done it with adversity. Horford's missed a couple of games. Kyrie... Missed broke a game. bone in his face. He's back to wearing his his superhero mask. And you asked the question, Trent, is Kyrie playing the best basketball of his career? Yes. And what he's doing, he's on a mission. And I made the statement last year over and over again that for me, Kyrie last year was the second best player in the East. And he's putting a stamp on this season already that is unbelievable. And for anybody last week that watched the Lakers-Celtics game, Kyrie played an inspired ball game and is breaking out. He's transfer. He's like doing Uncle Drew stuff in games and is breaking out and one moves and doing things. And he was on an absolute mission against the Celtics, and I think a lot of it can be attributed to Lonzo Ball coming in, and I think a lot of guys in the NBA are tired of hearing about this kid. Every time I watch Lonzo Ball go up against 
a legitimate athletic point guard in the NBA, it confirms for me this kid cannot be a star in the NBA. Hold on, before you move off of Kyrie, is he the best under-the-rim player that we've ever seen? I don't know about ever, but he's good. I mean, I, mean, I know what you're saying. He's not a high flyer. When I'm looking at it, the best player in the last 20 years under the rim, like you talked about, is probably AI. Kyrie's in that conversation for sure. I mean, I, I, I can see how you would characterize AI as that, but I, AI would get some steam and dunk it. I mean, I was thinking maybe like him and Isaiah Thomas, maybe kind of in that same conversation, but Kyrie. I've never seen a, like someone that can score like he does being a below-the-rim player. It's just unbelievable. And I think right now Brad Stevens, whew, I well, mean, he's got coach of the year, got to be the heavy favorite right now, and is probably looking towards the future. Well, it's let's ask this question. Let's ask this question. It, the Celtics were a number one seed last year. People lost sight of that because they overachieved and then got exposed by Cleveland in the playoffs in the in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. But here's the real question. Has there ever been a team that has been so completely transformed that was a one seed in any sport in back-to-back seasons? There's nobody left from that Celtics team. Nope. It's been completely transformed. You basically got Jalen Brown. Who else is a significant tributor that's back there with the Celtics? They don't. They lost five players. You know, I mean, and so, but you're talking about it. You could have the MVP. You could have a guy that finishes in the top three of rookie of the year, and you could have the coach of the year. Because Jason Tatum, (laughs) he's not, you know, not too shabby. I'm going to need to reset this program back to about six months ago when the three of us collectively, Diamond Dave, you don't get to be included in this because all you ever want to do is talk about golf. We told anybody that would listen, Jason Tatum was the best player coming out. No, I was part of that. Were you part of that? Yeah. Well, there we go. We were of one mind, and we're not like that often. Jason Tatum will be a superstar in the NBA. I saw what he did to my Tar Heels. Well, here's the thing, is that not only did they get, in my mind, the best player, and Markel Fultz is on his way to Bustville, and I don't know where he's going to play with what Ben Simmons is doing. Even when Fultz is back healthy, what's he going to do? Because mm-hmm. Ben Simmons has got superstar written all over him. But you look at Fultz, you look at Ball, you look at Tatum. To me, it was a clear cut. Jason Tatum should be the number one pick. And probably De'Aaron Fox second, by the way. But Tatum is not only doing this, Tatum's doing it as a role player. Mm-hmm. And he and Jalen Brown, both of whom basically play the same position, are out there killing it. And they're diving for loose balls. They're playing defense. They're getting down and banging bodies in, in the paint trying to get rebounds. Brad Stevens is the best coach this side of Bill Belichick in pro sports right now today. Mm. I stand by that. Give me somebody you think you should be. I don't know, but anytime you do, when you put somebody in the – the Bill Belichick category. I'm no, not no, saying no, no, I have anybody. No, no, he's not. Nobody's close or to Bill mentioned Belichick. Or you mention them in the same sentence. It gives me pause. That's so all. give me an example of one professional coach right now that you think is better than Brad Stevens other than Bill Belichick. How about Coach K? 
Pro Sports. Oh, Pro Sports. Keep up, son. Oh, I'm sorry. You just got sunned. Right now, Popovich. Kyrie. I think Popovich is the only one that holds, is Mm. right there. It's like 1A and 1B. I retract my statement. Popovich. But. I retract my statement. Nope. I take it back because I I forgot about Greg Can you sun yourself then? I'm sun. (laughs) (laughs) I I retract my statement, son. From what I saw from Brad Stevens when he was at Butler, I thought he potentially could end up at the end of the day the greatest college basketball coach of all time. And now I don't think he's ever leaving the NBA. And by the end of it, he could have 10 titles. And how many guys ever have had real success in the NBA after coming from college. It doesn't happen often. Mm-mm. You know, Larry Brown. Larry Brown. Yeah, but and Larry Brown, you have to qualify it too because his is a mixed bag. You know, he was in a lot of different stops and always turned to burn bright for just a little while and then was out. And, yeah, he, he had a lot of bites at the apple. But, yes, he's the only guy to win an NCAA championship and an NBA championship. Um, and that's over, you know, a 40-year period. Brad Stevens, you're right, could be a guy we look at. I don't know that his his track record in the NCAA was good enough to measure up because he didn't win the national championship, even though he was doggone he, close. He took yeah. Butler to two straight I, I got you. finals. I got Butler, you. Butler, they have 3,500 students. It's Butler. I'm not arguing with you. They were a half-court shot away from Gordon Hayward beating Duke, but then they, they stunk it up and shot 28% against UConn the next year. I mean, nobody has ever said anything bad about Brad, and I'm looking forward to continue watching him throughout his career in the NBA. All right, is there any chance he gets an NBA championship this year? What are the odds? What would you expect your return to be? You're you talking about Brad Stevens? Yeah. Well, that's what – this whole conversation is interesting, but still, like, on the pro level, you know, you got the number one seed last year – to me, the body of work is still not quite there. So my problem no, with the know NBA year, championship this year is the Celtics are good and they're amazing right now, but when it comes down to the crunch time in a seven-game series against LeBron James, if the Cavs are there, who's going to garden? Okay. Here's, here's what I'm going to say to you. The Celtics are not going to have to play the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, then I think they he has probably the best odds of winning a championship this well, year. I'm a, I'm well, tell you right I mean, now. he's still got everybody in the West. <coughs> I'm here to tell you, and I, I, I don't – my wife asked me the other day, she said, what's your dream job? And I said, my dream job would be to cover baseball every single day. And she said, I'm shocked by that. You love football more than you do baseball. And I said, I, you're absolutely right on. The difference between the two is, is football is about hyperbole. Baseball is for the adults. You know, people that are baseball purists and follow baseball don't expect for you to, you know, fly off the top rope every time something happens. It's a 162-game schedule. There's always perspective. Is that why I don't get it? Because I'm not adult enough? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's the same reason that you watch WWE pay-per-views is, you Um, know, you like the craziness. That's false. (laughs) It'd be a whole lot better if it was, though, because I'd be there to watch with you. I do watch, I'm just not paying for that I do, watch, I do watch Street Fighter on ESPN, though. <laughs> what, they're playing the video yeah, games? The video yeah, games. Well, right now, Cle- uh, Cleveland's got the ninth best, re- best record in the East. So, here's where I'm going with this. Boston's not going to have to play Cleveland, and I'm not trying to sound like 
you know, an alarmist. Let me tell you something. Cleveland doesn't play defense, period. If you were to take the defensive statistics right now in the NBA, that Cleveland team would be amongst the worst ever in the history of the NBA. They are not playing defense. And that grizzled group of veteran scorers they have collected over there are not going to play defense. So if the Celtics are in the finals against any of the Western Conference teams, I firmly believe that Brad Stevens will be able to get this defensive team to match match it with any of those and hold them down. Golden State, Houston, anybody. So you think that if they can get past LeBron, whether they don't have to play him or whether they beat him in the Eastern Conference Finals, that the Celtics will beat a Western Conference team in the if finals. If they're in the finals, they will win. I disagree. I disagree 100%. Unless something crazy happens with Golden State, it's still theirs to lose. And be prepared because this Houston team mm-hmm. yep. is something serious. And kudos to that Houston Rockets front office because when they gave up the ranch to bring in Chris Paul, who's not even playing <laughs> – I thought there's no way they're going to be able to cobble this together and have enough support players, and they absolutely 100% do. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not sure that Chris Paul coming back as a starter is going to be beneficial for the Rockets because Eric Gordon right now is really playing good basketball. And he's a two-way player who doesn't disrupt, doesn't command the basketball, and is more than happy, it seems, to play second fiddle for Harden. I'm not sure that Chris Paul is going to be that guy when he comes back. Chris, in a month when Oklahoma City gets their chemistry right, because right now they don't know what they're doing. One night it's George, one night it's Westbrook, one night it's Carmelo messing it up. Once they get it going, I mean, it takes time for teams to gel. I wouldn't sleep on Oklahoma City. They're still going to be right there. Oklahoma City has so much firepower offensively. You're talking about three legit superstar players on one team. Carmelo's getting long in the tooth, but he's still a star, and he can hit you, gas you for 30 or 40 every night when the when the time is right. When Oklahoma City gets into the playoffs, absolutely no one is going to want to play them. Mm-mm. And I agree with you, and that was next on my list after the Rockets. The Rockets right now in the West, to me, are the number two. I'm going to have to say OKC, even though they're – they're stumbling right now. I still think they wind up as the third best team in the West. Three or four. And when you're talking about chemistry, do not forget about Minnesota. No. Now, Minnesota's got a lot of kids who don't necessarily know how to win, but Jimmy Butler has been a pro's pro since he walked out there, and I think Jimmy Butler's the best thing could have happened for that team. They're going to get it done. And you're seeing Andrew Wiggins do things on a basketball court he's never been willing, never been asked to do before. But Jimmy Butler, I think, is turning Andrew Wiggins into a more complete player. They've got Carl Anthony Towns, who's among the best big men in the in the league. I think they're going to do some damage. So, but the one thing that I think that it's going to hurt Minnesota is that they've got to get into the playoffs. And they may get oh, – they'll get knocked out in the first round or whatever, but it'll come under their belt. That's the thing. The Celtics might run into as well because this team hasn't been to that final together. But I think Kyrie, Kyrie's will be been to the top of the mountain, brother. Yep. So Kyrie's been to the top of the mountain, and let's not forget that as we come down the stretch, as we get to the All Star break, what happens in the NBA? 
you start adding pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at teams and the assets they have at their disposal, there's not another contender out there that has the resources Boston does. Mm-mm. They still got a pocket full of picks, and if they need to add a piece, Boogie Cousins. And a pocket full of money because of Gordon Hayward's unfortunate injury. They've got $9.7 million freed up right there. They can rent anybody they want. Boogie Cousins. Just saying. Brandon, Boogie's we're talking got basketball. you got to jump in this, well, brother. Boogie's one of the, got one of the best quotes of all time, and I can't even remember the country, but when the, he was in the Olympics, some uh, smart aleck foreign media group person said, well, do you even know where this country is? And Boogie said, nah, but I know where Alabama is. Do you know where Alabama is? <laughs> and I just thought, Boogie, I didn't really care for your attitude much, but now I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> nah, man, if Boogie yeah, Lu- if Boogie Cousins turn loose on the Celtics, you can go ahead and wrap the East up. It's over. Wow, that coming from the biggest LeBron James fan ever. I don't believe I just heard it. Golf next. you're listening to from the cheap seats from sanford north carolina i was stolen from my parents i was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will solely for somebody's profit then i started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life if you knew that was the life of a tiger cub would you still pay to pet her Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. We're into the heart of the second hour. You're listening on WBLZ or to the podcast. If you came over from WDCC Terrestrial Radio, we appreciate it. Uh, we are global, worldwide. And we're in the midst of talking NBA. We're going to take a five-minute respite. Actually, I want to make it about a three-minute respite because, Diamond Dave, we haven't let you talk about golf in a long time. Well, there, there hasn't been a ton to talk about in the off-season, so to speak. And, and one of the off-season events that happen every year is the Hero World Challenge. This year it's going to be in the Bahamas. And Tiger Woods has announced he conferred with the committee, which is him. <laughs> and uh, they are allowing him to play in the golf tournament. He, uh, you start to see some Twitter feeds where he was making full swings and out on the golf course and uh, – and so uh, everybody kind of thought this would be the case. I, after his fourth back surgery happened after pulling out from uh, the Dubai Classic last, early last year before the Masters. And, uh, of course, last year he, he geared up at the Hero World Challenge after his third back surgery. So are we repeating history or is he uh, fully healthy? Who knows? Hey, David, um, I conferred with my dinner committee for tonight. And we've come back and we've said, I'm going to have a steak tonight. Sounds good. Yeah. So, well, we got to hope that Tiger doesn't confer with his pharmacist. Oh, and- <laughs> here we go. Look, here's my question, guys. Here's my question. Tiger Woods, man, hasn't been relevant in what's it been, three years, four years, five years? No, he got in trouble with that last. Oh, relevant. But yeah, in relevant. the news, he's been you in You mean news. as far as well, on the golf course? Yeah. yeah so, my question is, is it, has it been too long? 
I don't know. You know, I think when your body's not right, uh, it's totally it's probably it's impossible to get your head right. And I think he has two issues that he needs to overcome. And the first one's going to be physical. Uh, he's also 41 years old, so that makes the uh, still a young buck. Well, what I will say is there has been history of golfers, Kenny Perry, VJ Singh, uh, a lot of golfers who really hit their prime in their 40s. But, you know, Tiger swung a lot more violently than they did. And uh, he hit his prime in his 20s and, and then had a good stretch in his 30s as well. I don't know if he can do it in his 40s. Well, here's honestly. the question I'll ask you as somebody that is, you know, a fan and watches and plays Yes, Tiger, when he hit the scene, was longer than everybody. And that changed golf. It's indisputable. But I think what we forget sometimes is how adept a scrambler Tiger was. Because those moments for him were getting up and down. Right. And I think what you said about VJ and some of those other guys is is changing the way they played the game and the way they they approached (sighs) it. If Tiger can get back and he can drive the ball – relatively well he could beat these kids i agree and and you you hit a great point because really in a couple of his comebacks he had the yips in his chipping game and that's a mental thing a confidence thing maybe not as much practice i don't know the answer to that but if he cannot overcome that the rest of it's irrelevant i don't care how far he hits it how well he puts if he's putting for bogey instead of for par on that eight-footer, that's a big difference. Well, and the context in which he plays, like you walked in the studio this morning and we were off air, and you said, Tiger's back, and me and Chris's ears perked up, and then you said, I think he's playing at Knight's play in Raleigh or something, <laughs> and we were like, man, I think Chris made the statement, I want to hear him coming back from the Masters. You know, that's well, what's mean, really going to move the needle. That's going to be his goal. I mean, his goal is, hey, let's be competitive. Let's get into some of these events and then gear up so he can win some more majors. You know he wants to get to 18 majors. And would I, would I be wrong majors. in saying that the entire golf establishment, PGA, the USGA, all want him back at that oh, level? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there was a time, particularly in the beginning, where he was very much resented. But then oh, they, of course. they started looking at the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the popularity of the game. And, and although I think the game is in pretty good hands, you've got some decent star power out there. Nobody moves the needle like Tiger, and there hasn't been that person yet. Jordan Spieth kind of comes – no, he doesn't come close. Well, but you can he, see – the... People love him. They gravitate to him. But it's not like Tiger. Well, I mean, you golf... can see the collective effort by the entire establishment to try to prop Spieth up. Right. And turn him into something he's not. And I don't want to discount the quality of what he's done up to this point. But the eyeball test, he's not a dominant player like Tiger was. Of course, right. probably nobody is. He, j- he just kind of knows how to win, which sure. is cool. Uh, but uh, he's not – you're right. He's not winning by 10 well, or 12. And I'm a commercial real estate broker in my real life. And I was in Pinehurst last week and met with someone who's on the board of a, a golf course close by. And they're selling it. And he's not real happy with the sales price, but the board says, we need to go ahead and get it sold. And I'm like, well, what's going on? He says, golf across the country is way down. It's just right. down. Well, millennials aren't playing. Yeah. That's, that's a whole other debate. We could sit here yeah. and talk about that for 10 minutes, the time it takes to play, the country club atmosphere. and But but Tiger would help. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He would move a certain population back to the golf course instead of, 
doing whatever. But I mean, it's five hours. I mean, that's the big hindrance to the to the game of golf. And I mean, I I was just sitting here texting with some of my friends. We're trying to figure out a time to play on Saturday. Didn't take long to conclude with yard sales, charity work, and and college church football. functions and college football. I mean, we're, okay, we can't do it this Saturday. So yeah. then where are you going? I mean, it's going to be December soon, and and I don't know. But uh, I'm excited about it. I hope he can come back healthy. I hope his back will hold up. And um, I don't know if he's never going to be the player he was. But if he could be a player that could win again on some level and get his confidence to the point where he might be able to uh, start competing pretty strongly in majors, I mean, he knows how to get it done. Jack won the Masters at age 46. You know, I'd love to see him be competitive through his 40s. Well, we'll see. And you're talking about guys that know how to win. You you dropped that label on Jordan Spieth. That's the label that I think fits LeBron James. You see how we did that there? No, I see that. Smooth transition. I thought you were going to go to Bernhard longer. No, I was not. (laughs) And uh, And just so that we can formally conclude that golf segment, we're done with golf. Okay. But, Brandon – you said something going into the break because you you are a complete, total, 100% fan of LeBron James and what he's been able to do thus far. Where are you at with this team? Well, I'll piggyback on a comment when you said, you know what happens after the all or during the All-Star break or after mm-hmm. the U.S. start to add a piece? Cleveland doesn't look like they're in a position to add a piece this year. I don't think that Cleveland – Cleveland, that owner just doesn't see – I think he's prepping for when LeBron's gone. I don't see him selling out just to compliment <laughs> LeBron's talents. They will right add now. a piece, though, after the break. His name is Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, but he, he makes their defensive efforts even worse. <laughs> I know. Which is the point Still that Chris – Still adding a piece. That's why they're not um, – that's, I do not think this Cleveland team is going to beat the Celtics. Well, you up. said the Cleveland front office is preparing for LeBron to leave. Um, they may be in their heads preparing for LeBron to leave, but I don't know what they've done mm. tangibly to prepare because they've got no draft picks, they've got no space. I don't know what the plan is if LeBron leaves. If they want to know what they would have been like when LeBron left, just watch Kyrie in Boston, <laughs> you know, because nice. that's what they would have had last next year. Well, I don't know that you could have Tatum and Brown and Horford and the rest of that. Kyrie's in a great position. And Kyrie could not possibly have asked for the first, you know, three weeks of this or four weeks now to have gone any better. I'm telling you, I think Kyrie up to this point is my MVP. When I don't see any reason that's going to change. When Kyrie left Cleveland, obviously it's a huge void, so I'm not saying anything new. LeBron, in some ways, has hurt himself because he's been boys with J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert, and they're each getting like 10 to 13 million a year, and they don't do anything for the team. So by him, just, you know, his every year after they win, you see him in the hot tub popping the bubbly. Those friendships has really screwed LeBron, and in my opinion. He's not got – look, man, when we're in business, I don't want to be your friend. You help me make money. That's the business part. Then we can go play golf and drink beer afterwards. Then we can be friends. But those relationships, just your buddy, 
your buddies being around, that's really hurt that team. And I'm looking at what they're getting paid. Let's see, J.R. Smith, almost $14 million a year. And, and that right there, you hit that nail squarely on the head. Boom. J.R. Smith doesn't bring anything to that team you couldn't get from a guy making a fifth Mm-hmm. of what he's making. And you know there's all this money out there, and LeBron is the first one to jump out there when somebody's contract is signed saying things like, well, they ought to make twice that. You know, the owners are making billions of dollars. So he's very aware when it comes to the money and what he thinks these guys ought to be compensated with. But you just hit it on the head. If you want to destroy a franchise, start playing, paying guys like J.R. Smith $14 million a year. And that cap will be gone. And now you're in a situation where at the break, even if they have an opportunity, they can't bring anybody in. There's no money there. There's They don't have any resources because nobody else is looking saying, yeah, send us that J.R. Smith and his $14 million contract. I mean, and you're paying guys like Channing Frye $7.5 uh, to score three points a game. Are you kidding me? I mean, you're, he's not getting any help. I thought Jay Crowder would be a good addition. He's barely averaging eight points a game. I mean, he was good in the playoffs. I think Jay Crowder is the type of player that kind of ups his game in the playoffs. He certainly hurt Cleveland when they were playing in the playoffs. But these pieces just don't make any sense. You got Love and LeBron. You might could throw Tristan Thompson, who I feel like is also overpaid, at almost $17 million a year. You might throw him into that threesome, but it's not working. You throw a whole lot of players into that overpaid bucket, and we may do more of that on the other side. we got half an hour left. Stick with us. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You, too, can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome back, everybody. we got half an hour to go. I hope you're having as much fun listening as we are doing this. We're talking the NBA, or had been talking NBA up to this point. I'm going to tell you the team that is everybody's sleeping on that I think is going to make some hay and could do some damage in the playoffs. If they keep the team intact, I really like the New Orleans Pelicans. I really do. Um, I also want you to keep your eyes on Phoenix and Sacramento. Both of those are teams that are, I mean, diaper dandies, to coin an old Mm -hmm. Dick Vitale term. Those teams have got a lot of youth. They can light it up. De'Aaron Fox, I think, is going to be a star in this league. And Phoenix, Phoenix just rolls them out there, man. They got a lot of talent out there. Devin Booker's the guy that everybody's heard about after a 60-point blow-up last year. But there's a lot of depth there in Phoenix. I like what they've got going on. Um, I really, 
resetting. Phoenix was one of the teams that people talked about as a potential landing spot for Kyrie when he was looking for a trade. Sacramento was another. They didn't want to give up De'Aaron Fox. Boy, if you'd have taken Kyrie and put them in Phoenix, whew. But that's all. Hmm. That's all I got with that. But if the Pelicans, they got Boogie, right? Yeah, Boogie and Anthony Davis, man. They, so they, if they, the if twin they towers. end up dealing him, that's that. Yeah, I mean, and it's going to come down to whether New Orleans looks at it and feels like they can make a legitimate run or not. If they do, yeah, cool. If they don't, Boogie, he's a free agent at the end of the year, so they're going to be looking to rent him to someone. And, uh, you and know, Phoenix just got rid of their uh, their guy, right? Well, they Blood got rid of Bledsoe. Yeah, Bledsoe after his whole Twitter debacle. <laughs> what did you think about that, just real quick? Do you think he was really in a salon saying, I don't want to be here anymore? Look, <laughs> I make significantly less than the $15 million or whatever that this dude is making. And I have a million better things to do than go to my wife, go with my wife to a salon. There's zero <laughs> chance that Eric Bledsoe was at the salon with his girl. It just wasn't true. And I love that the GM cast shade when he was talking about it and said, this is the story, but I'm not buying it. Um, and, you know, in the wake of all that, he's dealt and he's gone. And, you know, I think it's probably good for Phoenix from a chemistry standpoint because you've got all those kids out there. I don't think you need a headache in the locker room to sort of compound that. So good for them for, you know, being decisive and making a move. And I, I think really like what Phoenix is doing. Milwaukee that much stronger. Well, Milwaukee, I like the fit there. You got Malcolm Brogdon, who everybody kind of forgets was the rookie of the year last year. Um, Bledsoe gives them, you know, no letdown coming off the bench. Giannis, what he's doing is unreal. Uh, whether or not he can sustain that's a whole other thing. But Milwaukee, I think, is is if I had to seed the East right now, I would say moving forward, I'd put Milwaukee in the two spot behind Boston, and then I'd probably put the Wizards at three. Your feelings, B? Man, I like your analysis. I usually find I find something picky with that, but I don't have a problem with that at, at all. And and I also do have to say, I don't know that we ever covered it on the show. We talked about we were talking about contracts and we were talking about, you know, money going to guys that didn't necessarily deserve it. During the offseason, Washington was faced with having to give a max deal to Otto Porter or let him go someplace else. And I really felt like giving him a max deal was probably reaching a little bit too far. I take all that back. Otto Porter is a great three to John Wall and Bradley Beal. The Wizards have a legitimate big man with Gortat, and Kelly Oubre Jr. is really playing well. I like what the Wizards are doing. I don't think they're deep enough to push a team like Boston, but, you know, John Wall is going to do his thing. John Wall, to me, is the most exciting player in the NBA. I'd watch John Wall play every night of the the year if I wasn't too cheap to pay for the uh, NBA package. Actually, I want to see everybody play. So He's really really turned out to be a better player than I thought he was. Well, I'm going to tell you, at the time, do you remember who was taken two the year that John Wall went number Mm, one? Tell me. Do you, Professor Trent? It was Evan Turner out of Ohio State. Mm, And I thought Evan Turner was a can't-miss you know, night in, night out, going to be the the uh, a foundational player for somebody. And Evan Turner can't even find a home. I thought John Wall, with his injury history and his sort of mercurial personality, I really had questions about him. I was wrong. John Wall is a legit horse, and uh, 
the Wizards are in good shape. I mean, he and Beal are locked up long term. Paul Porter's locked up long term now. Um, you know, not not much not to like about what's going on with the Wizards right now. Again, I don't know that they have enough depth, but the Wizards are a top three or four team in the in the East for sure. Now, pivoting completely away from that, as we've got twenty some odd minutes left to go. Anybody else remember when the Kansas City Chiefs were the best team in the NFL and Alex Smith was going to be the MVP? Yeah, I remember that. It seems like a million years ago, and I don't believe that as we sit here in the middle of November that the two best teams in the NFL arguably are the Philadelphia Eagles and the New Orleans Saints. (laughs) What? What? I can't can't believe that that's a true statement. And if you look at the NFC, I think it's indisputable right now that they're the best two teams in the NFC. Carolina's got to get some love, too. They they play – they have the Monday night game. They do. So um, New Orleans is playing defense, which I think pretty much shocks everybody who's been paying attention to the NFL. I still feel like there's some – I don't know – some smoke and mirrors going on there with their. I mean, they have won seven straight. They beat the Panthers, so they got that game in hand. And they didn't just beat the Panthers; they came into Carolina and smacked the Panthers. Well, they're around. smacking pretty much everybody. Well, and that's there's a couple things. First of all, you said New Orleans playing defense, which is shocking. They're also running the football first, which I think which is, is more shocking. More shocking, and maybe even more shocking than both. They're a juggernaut on the road. You said they came into Carolina and whacked Carolina. Well, this past weekend, they went to Buffalo on not a middle-of-the-winter, six-feet-of-snow type game, but it was cold. Yep. And they laid it down. So maybe this is Drew Brees' swan song. And I know for the last couple of years, the question has been asked, is it time to blow it up? Well, is Brees still the guy? I mean, Buffalo's got a winning record, too. It's not like there's some slouch. Well, in Buffalo, that defense had been playing really, really well. But if you they didn't even slow New Orleans down. And and you look at the NFC, the 7-2 teams, the Rams, the Eagles, the Saints. I mean, you go into the playoffs, you got to give the edge to uh, Drew Brees. I mean, he's been there and done that. These other guys, Carson Wentz and uh, Jared Goff, you know, may need some some hiccups. Well, and – all of a sudden, now that the Falcons talk about a whooping, straight spank them boys. I mean, I don't. Now that division looks like what everybody thought it was going to NFC South. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't because Tampa Bay is horrible, and nobody saw that coming. Well, I mean, somebody in the division's got to be horrible because. <laughs> Except for well, everyone thought it was Panthers. the Saints. They well, thought the Saints well, were going to ex- be horrible. Except for the Panthers' three-season run of winning the NFC South every year. There's been so many from worst to first, mm-hmm. from first to worst. It happens almost every year, except for that three-year anomaly in which I think we went to the playoffs at eight and eight or something like that, um, and won the division. Maybe it's seven and nine. We actually won that division at seven and nine, which is. Not happening in every year. But, you know, if you look at the Falcons, they're 5-4. and four. Panthers could be 7-3. and three. And New Orleans Saints is 7-2. and two And just mollywopping everybody they play right now. So here's my prediction then. Next year, Tampa Bay's last this year. 
next year with John Gruden as the head coach. Wow. Ooh. They'll, they'll win their division. I don't know if Gruden's interested in going back there and leaving the booth. He's His name's been mentioned all over the place. It's very big now after last week, and he's the owners have reached out and they've kind of made uh, buddies again, so – I'm well, did you, you guys see the donkey hole bit the other day with John Gruden? <laughs> no. Yeah, I did. You saw that. <clears throat> yeah. Well, John Gruden in the middle of the ball game dropped that term. He threw it right there through the donkey hole. And that's one of those things. You know, John Gruden searching, trying to stay relevant. And he dropped that. But then it was immediately obvious that it was pre-planned. Because they cut to him, and he was showing clips of examples of people throwing a ball into a donkey hole. And he was talking about a tight space. So it was not organic. And it wasn't funny. And then they ran through this entire segment of highlights with a football game going on in the background. And there was even a turnover that they neglected to cover because they were too busy trying to drive this bit home. NFL, ESPN, everybody involved, shut up. Hold on for a second. You're out. I, I couldn't disagree with you even more. Like, I thought it was, even though it was set up, I thought it was hilarious because you got John Gruden going, he just threw it through the donkey hole, you know? And he's like, why did they call it the donkey hole? I don't know, you know? <laughs> it's just, it was typical John Gruden. It was entertaining for me, man. You're, you're, um, Patience for these talking heads is like very small. See, I can't wait to find the perfect – who's the perfect commentator in your Well, eyes, yeah, but that's Chris? the thing. Me. I don't watch Monday Night Football because I can't stand either one of them. Now, I would watch it when Mike Tirico was there, but ever since he left, I can't stand those guys. I would rather watch it on mute than <laughs> – like tonight. You asked who's my favorite. Mike Tirico is, is up there with a bang. I'll tell you, as far as analysts, Tony Romo has captured my heart pretty quickly. I thought that would be a disaster. He's a good one. There are some good ones out there. I can reset. Give me Chris Collinsworth 10 years ago before he got his, you know, so quite so full of himself. There's some good ones out there. The problem is this stuff <coughs> is so overproduced. Brandon's having a – he's gone from taking his headphone off and coughing to now having a full-blown conversation <laughs> – I don't know what's going He's on. He's setting up a hey, Twitter account. Sorry we weren't able to hold your hey guys, attention. Hold on for a second. Um, y'all go ahead and talk soccer amongst yourselves. <laughs> well, we're going to talk. I, I know how to get his oh, attention. No. I'm oh, going to talk it. right through this donkey hole. I don't know why they call it the donkey hole. <laughs> oh, now man, I'm going to eat some W's. Hey, man, how does Bruce Pearl still have a job? Dude! Oh! Dude, how about that, that? At least you came back with a bang. Bruce Pearl... Who's been a criminal for a long time? I refuse to cooperate. I refuse to cooperate. What? (laughs) Excuse me? No, employer. I'm not going to answer your questions. It depends on what your definition of is is. He pulled some old Bill Clinton. Dude, Uh, which one of the shoe companies is going down over this? uh, I mean, we need to find out. Is what, what, what? Auburn, what are they? Are they Adidas? A, are they Adidas? Schools? Yes, all, all right. these, all the schools are Adidas that are involved in this. All right, so they, so that's the FBI's strategy. Adidas, here. they're going to clear out all the Adidas cases. 
Because Before the FBI, the FBI on their intramural sports team has signed a big deal with Big Baller Brand to have all their sneakers. Speaking of Big Baller Brand, I was watching a an interview with John Wall the other day, and uh, they asked him at the end of a conversation. They were asking about Lonzo Ball, and he was being very kind. And he said, "Well, he's got a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure, but he's he's showing a level head. He's a mature kid for his age." He's, you know, he's dealing with it real well. And then the reporter followed up and asked him, so when your deal is up, are you going to sign with Big Baller Brand? (laughs) And John Wall just walked away. That was hysterical. That, to me, is funny. That's much funnier than Donkey Hole. I enjoyed, I I stayed up and tried to watch the UCLA game because I'm kind of trying to get some dirt on this whole China fiasco that these kids shoplift in. And every time the camera went to a certain area, sure as heck, you saw Ball sitting there with his big baller brand. It never looked like he actually paid attention to the game, but his kid's basically probably going to prison, locked up in a hotel, and he's sitting there right on TV. He's getting waterboarded right now. Oh, my God. And I haven't watched watched Saturday Night Live regularly for a little while, but I do – Tune in and I'll, I'll, you know, looking on the line to see what the highlights were or whatever. Um, they were even on LeVar Ball this weekend and they did a skit with him in it. I it haven't seen it. I've heard it's hilarious. It was pretty funny. And the, the best part is when they ask him, How many of those shoes have you sold? And he's like, <laughs> None of your business. But they roll out a new shoe in this skit. If you haven't seen it, check it out. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. We love you guys. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Kiramutu. Todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I had to check, make sure, yes, this is the last segment. I don't know. It seems like the distance between us doing shows is getting longer and yeah, longer man. and longer. And it feels like we haven't done this in a month. I don't even remember hanging out with you guys. I do have to make an editorial correction. I have two of them. First well, hold of up, all, hold on. Let me, earlier, since earlier, I figured it out, let me say it. Let me say it. Hold on. I got to make my reason, first editorial correction first. The reason. I you, called Janoris Jenkins, Janoris Jackson earlier in the show. Right. And I realized that when we got in the break, I meant to correct myself. But Janoris Jenkins, cornerback. Sometimes for the New York Giants. Uh, right now he's like playing doorman or something. Mm-hmm. But Brandon Atkins has another editorial correction. The reason you didn't like John Gruden's The Donkey Hole and didn't get the joke is because it's the turkey hole, brother. <laughs> now I understand what you were doing over there in your uh, corner looking at your phone. Speaking of turkeys, I'm actually frying two for the first time in 18 years. And what I've heard is, is you like to get it the peanut oil super hot and drop those turkeys in there frozen. Is that the best way to do it? <laughs> but you got to stand real close to it. Yes. And you want to do it next to what you want to do is have lots of paper products right next to it. the paper towels, napkins, 
Yeah. It's better on a covered porch that's kind of screened in and everything. You do it right porch. on there. No, you yeah. do it in the living room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Carlos Beltran just announced his retirement oh. in baseball news. Wow. Wow. The man who made a lot of money by playing good in the 2005 World Series. All right, Chris, we were in and out of college basketball. How long, and speaking of Bruce Pearl and people doing all kinds of sketchy stuff and you know, Dick Vitale hung up on Dan Lebertard because he proclaimed that, you know, Miami sports back in their old, um, when they were having their issues, that they should shut their program down. And he goes, what do you think next time they uh, get in trouble, it's going to be about prostitutes. But now he's going on record saying Rick Pitino should get another job. Dick Vitale, you're all over the place. But I want to ask you a question. When's Missouri going to get the death penalty for this Michael Porter Jr. thing? Oh, it won't be long. I mean, because probably as soon as the FBI gets done with Bruce Pearl, which which is going to be be fun to watch. (laughs) (laughs) How does you asked in the first place, how does Bruce Pearl still have a job? My question is after Tennessee, how did he get another job? Does anybody think he's really that good of a basketball coach? I mean, really seriously, honestly, there is a specific skill set or any number of specific skill sets you can have to be a top-shelf basketball coach at whatever level. Most of being a successful coach is opportunity. Does it mean that he's going back to ESPN as an analysis? God, I hope not. Because well, if he does, I want him to get another job real quick. Well, you know, I really, really hope not. It should have been an easy thing to pick up on but let that be a lesson if your head coach jumps out into the student section without a shirt on there might be some problems coming around you. all right now you see Dabo Swinney took his shirt off at a pep rally a couple weeks ago uh, or not Dabo oh, Swinney no, the guy. Not my fault didn't mean to do that to you Dabo Gundy. Gundy that's right it was Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State did that did you see that no it was kind of disturbing yeah it's a little creepy because he's enjoying this whole hero worship thing a little bit too much. And the first thing he started talking about with him taking his shirt off was all the little co-eds running around there and all the rest of that stuff. And he said he did it so that Mason Rudolph, the quarterback at Oklahoma State, would take his off too. See, my thing That's is That's a little is creepy. B- before there was a sign about him taking his shirt off, there was a sign that he also has a mullet prior to that. So my thing is, is that you had enough signs. Something Oklahoma State's going to go down now. Next, okay. There's certain signs. Well, here's here's the thing: <clears throat> is if you rock a mullet and you take your shirt off in public, that puts you into a very tight stereotypical category. And if you're not, I'm just saying. If unless you're at a Freebird concert uh, situation, then you're good. I think going to you know, Leonard Skinner cover band concerts is part of that tight stereotype that I was talking about. I bet you Mike Gundy seen the Marshall Tucker band play live 50 times. Well, or Billy you know, Ray Cyrus. He's got to be a big oh, Billy Ray Cyrus fan. Oh. I mean, he got his claim to fame is I'm a man, I'm 40. That's his famous 10 years I'm ago. 40. Yeah. He did that rant. So. I'm a man. I thought you were talking about how Billy Ray Cyrus no. got his breaking. Don't no, tell Gundy. my heart, my achy, breaky heart. I just don't think you'd understand. I've never sang on air, or have I? 
No, Wait, you have And by the way, Mo- you're Mo- the only one that hasn't rapped either. By the way, Miley Cyrus turned from cute to gross, but now she's hot again. <laughs> How did that happen? Because she got married. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, did she get married? Yeah, her and uh, Leon Hemsworth, Thor. No, what? Yeah. They've been what? dating. They've what? been dating forever, and now they're married. Are you kidding me? Nope. Dude. Sorry. How long until he and Lamar Odom? Are in NA. Dude, they've been here. Her, him and Miley Cyrus have been together for like five or six years. I did not years. know that. Freaking and, and if you haven't you sure already. you got the right Hemsworth brother? Yeah. You're positive. Thor and Miley Cyrus. I'm pretty sure. Now I'm I, doubting we're gonna, myself. We're uh, you need to check it. it. I, I, I check, got, fake news. I think it's like uh, Donald Hemsworth. So here's the deal. If you haven't already done this, do yourself a treat and Google Miley Cyrus's Jay's on your feet. Like Michael Jordan's Jay's on your feet. Check that video out and see how you think about Miley Cyrus. And I know I'm a full cad now. Sorry, Nedge. Appreciate it. Chris will not be Googling Jay's on your feet by Miley Cyrus. But so, like, Coach K has gotten the last. Yeah, Liam Hensworth. That's, Is that Thor? So That's K, not Thor. Coach K has gotten the oh, number one player. Oh, he's not Thor. That's his brother. Yeah, he was in go. the Hunger Games. I'm there sorry. We, yes. Sorry. Now we've got it straight. As long sorry. as we're straight. He's the... He, yeah, he's like Harpo Marks. <laughs> Easy with the I marks. have no idea what you were just talking well, about. Well, I was just saying, I think that Coach K's gotten the, like, the last four out of the last five top recruiting. Uh-huh. The last three out of the top four top recruits, and then somehow Missouri gets Michael uh, Michael Porter Jr. You, you don't think there's any? I mean, well, Duke just well, signed the number one guy again for that's 2018. That's what I'm saying. Well, and and let's go back and and examine what happened with Michael Porter Jr. What happened? Where did he originally commit? Another school that was Louisville. probably <laughs> Washington. It oh. was Washington, <laughs> which kind of came out of the blue. But Washington had the previous year signed the number one recruit in the country. It's Markel Fultz. Hmm. Look, there aren't that many high school basketball players that like grunge music and coffee. <laughs> well, where was so the, something is afoot? Where was the um, Missouri coach coaching prior to Missouri? Hmm. hmm. Do you want to go ahead and answer? Where that was course? he? I'm stuck. When I think of Missouri basketball, I think of uh, Snyder, who's the coach of the Jazz. Quinn Snyder. <laughs> I don't even know who's the coaches of Missouri. The answer, the short answer to your question about when is Missouri going to get the hammer? Very soon. Yeah. Very soon. But this Bruce Pearl thing, I think there's a ghost. Did you hear that? That was weird. I just heard a female voice. Wow. So the question usually that's a good thing, right? Tim Speaking Cogus. college basketball, I am looking forward to tomorrow because Tuesday they have like huge games on ESPN, the State Farm Classic. It's like what Duke, Michigan Duke and State? Michigan State, that's and then Kansas and Kentucky. Kentucky. I'm really looking at that's Duke, a Michigan State. I think Duke and Michigan State are the two best teams in the country. I think they're one two. I mean, that's you can't ask for much better than that. See now, what is that? Why is that different in college basketball? That that's okay, but it's not okay in college football for these guys to have these big games the first. Because you got thing of the way year. more games. You got yeah. like a more chance plus to games. recuperate, or yeah, what? The, the the thing is with college football in American in American sports that are on the landscape, there is no more valuable a single game than college football. Yeah, because okay. you're playing eleven or twelve of them, so every single game has a lot of weight. With basketball whether it's NBA or college, 
You're playing so many of them. Dude. The only thing that matters less is baseball. Dude, 2009, Carolina dropped their first two ACC games and went on and won the championship. It just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't mean as much. You waited almost two hours just to be able to one what? time say during this week, oh, when they won their championship. Well, hold on, which is, number one, it? Duke versus Michigan State, number two, and then Kentucky, number five versus number four, Kansas. It's a great. Is lineup. there is there oh, any? You way know what? You wouldn't even need to do any research to like put that top five together. We could go find anybody on the street. So who's number three? Uh, UCLA, Arizona. I don't know. I was asking. Oh, come on, baby. <laughs> come on. Arizona's in the preseason AP it's top. Number three. Is number three. And, and Kansas rounds out number four. And I think UNC is number nine. We're number nine. And the Shockers are back in the top ten, which that's another. Talking about Butler, the Wichita Shockers. Wichita State? Yeah, Wichita State back in the top ten preseason. Wichita State's been getting it done. They've been getting disrespected. This is interesting. Because they're going to start the season, they've they've gotten some tough draws in the NCAs, mm-hmm. but they've they've sort of done what Gonzaga did, and then behind them Butler. Now Wichita State, somebody's got their eye on before you know January, so it's interesting to see if they're going to be able to sustain. They've got a program there that's been intact for a while. They're trotting out NBA quality type players through their through the program. I like Wichita State. One quick shout-out to my old favorite team when Bob Knight was there. Indiana Hoosiers paid $90,000 to lose to Indiana State. And they didn't just lose. They got blown out. Well, if they were going to spend $90,000. Well, here's the question. They spent $90,000 to lose to Indiana State, right? Why didn't they just funnel that $90,000 through an, an agent and bring in a better player. Because Tom Green. 90 grand would probably buy you at least a sixth man. Tom Green's not there anymore. Because you know, you know, according to Bob Bob Knight, John Wooden would have done that. (laughs) John Wooden, I'm sure, did do that. John Wooden might be the dirtiest. He's the old godfather. Mm. I do want, before we're out of here, I want to talk about Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale, there's this sort of, Old fraternity. This this old fraternity of yep. basketball coaches, but it's not just old basketball coaches. It's old Italian basketball coaches. And you look hey. at it, Roly Massimino. Um, who was the guy that was at uh, St. John's for all that all that time? I know you're talking. Anyway, Patino. It's just this family, and they look after one another, brother. That's all we got. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to From the Cheap Seats, WDCC, WBLZ, iTunes, any place else you listen to the podcast. Thanks, guys. We're out. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.